0: This is the Fearless Fathers podcast, a podcast for you, the fathers who suffer in silence every single day. Come with us as we hit those main topics that are just burning through your soul. It's going to get uncomfortable. It's going to be fun. And together, we will become fearless.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Fearless Fathers. We're doing something a little bit different today. This is the second part of our series on divorce, and because... For some reason, Dave thought I needed to take the lead on something to get those, <laughs> to get those nerves off me. Uh, I'm introducing this today under protest. Complete protest. Under pressure. <laughs> yeah. No, pressure. not pressure. Protest. I'm mad about it. Of a,
0: a little bit of column A, but mostly column B.
1: You know what? I haven't even introduced you yet. The, 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 the listeners have no idea who's talking. It's ridiculous. Who, who the hell I am I? I don't even it's know conjecture. who I am. Um, Well, I am Ryan McDonough, and I am extremely happy that you're here listening to our podcast today, and hopefully we can help you out with something or just entertain you along the way. Either way, glad you're here. Thank you for showing up. And I'm here today with...
0: You guys know it. You guys feel it. You guys probably can't stand my voice anymore. I'm Davo. Like Ryan said, thanks for joining us again on another episode. Super stoked to actually do this one on our second part of Divorce. Really happy. Really glad to put Ryan under the gun. Have him anxious. Have him quiver in fear. You're going to laugh. I'm going to laugh. We're going to have a great time doing it and learn something along the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Contextually, I guess we're going to
1: learn something.
0: <laughs> um, Everybody's going to learn today, baby.
1: Today's more of a like, an organic personal episode. You know, Rarely do we have the opportunity to have such a valuable resource with some ideals on the topic that we've talked about. But we do because of David here. David has experienced divorce as a child and it's affected him on many, 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 many levels. So that's what we're going to talk about today. First off, we're going to have him tell us his story and you know, then we're going to talk about how it affected him and we're going to wrap it up with where he's at today. I don't even know how you want to do this.
0: Today. <laughs>
1: you <want> to start? <laughs> I'm good. You did, so
0: you did so great up until the finale there and you're just like, bah, done. Yeah, All right. Exactly. So. I'm going to take over the mic a bit. You guys still get to hear me talk. I'm sorry, but that's the way it's going to roll today. I loved the idea when we were talking about doing this only because I believe so much in transparency. I believe the more that you guys can understand where I come from, and especially where Ryan comes from, you can understand more and more of why we do this and why we're both so passionate about this. This is my brainchild. This is my baby. But Ryan coming along the ride from the ground floor. And that's why we really wanted to sit down and I was like, yeah, I have no problem sharing my story with you guys because if it's going to relate and something's going to resonate, then that's just going to make you much better down the road. So just to kick this off, like Ryan said, a little bit about my story and where I came from with all of this when it comes to divorce. I've said it since the beginning. I was a child of divorce. My parents split at about five years old. So some of my earliest childhood memories were of my parents fighting back and forth. I remember way too much sometimes that I'm not gonna delve too deep into today of just situations and experiences that still come back to this day. I remember very vividly the day I found out that my parents were done for good. And I just remember sitting there, it's early in the morning and I broke down. And my sister was very young, maybe two or three at the time, and we just sat there and we, and we broke down. And for most of my childhood, I did not come from an easy divorce family. I came from a very bitter, mean, back and forth arguing family, divorce, very messy, very tough to go through as a child. And this was for about 10 years up until I was about 15. I remember the custody battle that my parents were going through and the custody schedule that was set by the courts for two kids in the 90s. It was one week. Every other day, you're going to a different parent's house. So Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, and the weekends, you may be at mom's. Tuesdays and Thursdays, you're at dad's. Next week, it flips. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the weekends, you're at dad's tuesdays and thursdays you're at mom's that was the custody schedule every single day for 10 years
1: jesus that's nuts i think they probably have gotten away from that i would uh, hope so yeah because you can't get settled as a kid
0: ryan i i can't i can't bullshit enough with you when i tell you That I've had friends, I remember this in school where I had friends asking, which parents' house am I gonna be at today? Because they wanted to go play a game of football or basketball or hang out after school. And I had to tell them, oh, I'm either at mom's, which was 20 minutes or a half hour away because she lived on the other side of town, or I'm at dad's, which is right there. And my friends knew that, hey, if you're at dad's, okay, at least then we could hang out. And that was extremely tough because you know i didn't really have friends at my mom's house i didn't go to those schools i didn't i didn't really know anybody so you were pretty much yourself your family and that was about it and maybe some other kids down the street once in a while but nothing really nothing right. really consistent well
1: and that's that's the other thing i wonder how, how did that work with the schools you just went to the one you were already in that was in your dad's district
0: yeah yeah so it it was the school that was yeah i was in the school that was in my dad's district stayed there went there through the whole time up until i was about 15 and decided to live with my mom like we were saying, like that was that was it. I was going to the same school constantly, same friends, and I talk about it, and just within those 10 years, I mean, my parents were not the best of friends. It was so constant that they would fight back and forth with each other with me and my sister standing right there, hearing them yelling at each other, I fucking hate you, fuck you, fuck this, fuck that, fuck you, constantly. Being a kid and growing up in that type of situation, it's not, it's not mentally good for that child. And I think that's why I said in the first part of the, of the series was don't fucking do that with your kids. Don't do that. Don't get wrapped up in your quarrels and your beef with your ex because you want to puff out your chest and show how strong you are in front of your kids. And you get so emotional and so lost in what it is you're doing that you may even forget that the kids are there. I don't know. I I can't speak on that. All I could say is from the outside, you know, just seeing that constantly mom and dad fighting and then the words being put in of, oh, your dad's this, your mom's this, your dad's this, you're you're this, you're that. There was such a whirlwind of emotion that you didn't really know which way you were looking at, even becoming older as the years went on. You just kind of got used to it and just kind of rolled on with the flow and hope for the best.
1: All right, so let's uh, let's move a little bit ahead here. So you're now you're 15. You've decided to live at your mother's house and you're starting to develop as an adolescent. Why Why did you make that decision? Just to have a singular place to live out of simplicity or was there something else going on?
0: I, th- I think there was definitely more going on. Um, and to this day, I don't even think I still know the full truth and I probably never will know the full truth not to dive too, too yeah, far into it. Yeah, by no means Don't do
1: anything that makes you feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like like I, oh, I don't care about uncomfortable because that's how you're going to grow at the end of the day. But I, I don't want to dig too deep just for the sake of simplicity, just, just for the sake of the episode and just kind of going through some of my experiences. I don't want to go too into detail, but it was something as a, as a young kid, especially as a teenager, when emotions kick in, I'll say this, when emotions kick in, you act on impulse. All you could think of When you act on impulse is your emotions are running wild a mile a minute and psychologically and developmentally you can't control that you know you see that at times where you know I I was watching murder shows where 16 year olds locked up behind bars forever because they acted on impulse and fucking murdered somebody you know not not that not that severe but it's there it happens. So, really, what it came down to was I, I think uh, a whole slew of emotions was I'm, I'm so sick of going back and forth between parents' houses and just the sense of like a singular home and then that fluid of impulse and emotion. And I just remember the day where I said, I'm going to stay with my mom's. It was much more angry and much more colorful, but that's what happened. Like, looking back now on my life from that moment, I think that was a precursor in setting me up for a lot of things that I didn't know was going to be coming on. And I know we're going to talk more on that as we're as we're talking about this conversation, because it, it's such a pivotal moment in my life where I said this was like the first independent thing I felt I got to do, even though looking back, I don't feel it was an independent move on my part. I feel there was a little bit more behind the scenes, so to speak, than what I thought. But really, I mean, really, it was just a whole, whole fluid of emotions. When when I'm looking at it, um, just really, finally having some kind of a single household, not going back and forth every day, and just some kind of solidarity, and I guess you could say strange stability comfort in a way.
1: Stability is what it sounds like, yeah.
0: Stability, stability. Yeah. And yeah.
1: you know, when I was God, how old was I when we sold that place? Like even when I was like 19, we sold the house I grew up in and i was uh extraordinarily upset because like that was my place that was my stable platform that you know where i developed in this all this happens god ha- having it ripped away and having to go from place to place to place to place all the way up to your mid teens probably did a you know a significant amount of damage
0: oh no doubt no doubt because that that's your we're so ingrained in routine and we're so ingrained in having that stability and once it's ripped away from us you know, you don't know what could happen. It's it's wild card at that point, and it's it's nothing that we do. It's just our DNA and how we've evolved in our culture and what we're so used to. So when you do rip that away, yeah, or when that one thing changes that you never knew about and it makes you act on impulse, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen when it comes to that.
1: You know what I kind of equate that to? Not not to relate this to the military at any level, but. Um remember your basic training barracks, just shitty fucking garbage ass filled with these fuckheads that don't know their asses from their elbows. Um <laughs> starship like with 60 fucking people in there. But then you go on FTX and you're out in the middle of those woods <laughs> for like a week straight and you're like, "You know what'd be nice? That fucking shitty bug bed." Cuz <laughs> all of my stuff there and I've been farting in it for fucking 10 weeks. <laughs> and it's mine god damn it
0: and the dude sleeping next to me in our in our half tent it just smells like pure ass and i need a shower god yeah, help me know, right now
1: kids going into basic these days don't have to deal with that because they don't have half tents anymore but if you don't know back in the day well i don't want to call it back in the day but like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> not day. too long ago they gave you like this can piece of canvas with buttons on it and you had to find a friend who also had pieces, a piece of canvas and with some buttons on it. And you had to hope he had, he had kept and or brought his stakes and pole to FTX in his tank roll Because without that, you're fucked.
0: <laughs> you only have one. See, you had, you had canvas. We used no, no, you had to put your
1: poncho. One guy had to put his poncho on the ground. The other guy had to put his poncho as the rain fly.
0: N- nope. Oh, you didn't nope, do that at all. We didn't do that. Both, both of our ponchos were fucking pitched. <laughs> Love that, that, you that get, was, you, yeah we didn't we didn't even, yeah, didn't even have a man. half
1: tent then man they did you dirty <laughs> sleep outside <laughs> fuck you and that was
0: and that was yeah, jackson yeah i went to fort
1: bang so yeah
0: but yeah exactly like that you know that that stability and i think that's probably a really good way to looking at it on a, on a lighter side but, you know as somebody who hasn't been through it i'm trying to like
1: rifle through my uh yeah. my Rolodex of emotions, um, and <laughs> like that's really the only way I can equate to it because, like I just said, I I lived in the same house till I was nineteen years old, and yeah, I was pissed right. when we sold it. But I like, you know, then I joined the army and moved on, and you know, then I apartment hopped till I until I bought the house I live in now, uh, fucking ten years later. So you know, I, I I haven't been through these experiences, and that's why we're talking about it is because a lot of people have. You telling it out loud will. At least let some of the people like, "Hey, you're not alone. Hey, people have gone through this, and that's the whole point of us even doing this." Of our podcast, right? Exactly. <laughs> podcast. I, I, what is this going to be like? Episode twenty-five or twenty-six or something like that? I mean, we, uh, yeah, I, we're, yeah, we're, I, we're getting up there now.
0: Yeah, this, the, I think this is episode twenty-five. I'll have to look at the notes and we'll make it we'll we'll know, make it pretty. It, but it's
1: on a Thursday, so it would have to be like a, an even I number. It, I think. I think
0: it is twenty-five doesn't matter doesn't matter (laughs) doesn't matter all right i I think this is 25 this is 25
1: oh this is okay so i mean you know 25 episodes in and we're still just trying to you know produce that level of emotion to just share it with the community to say hey you know like not that not that we've necessarily been through this but you're not alone there's a lot of people that go through this every day
0: no this is 24 i'm sorry this is 24 i told
1: you (laughs) I fucking told you. You know, if it, numbers are involved on this podcast, you got to run them through me first.
0: <laughs> you asked. I delivered bad numbers. I'm the emotions guy. We already talked about this. Yeah. I'm the motivator, damn it. You're the face,
1: the face, man.
0: <laughs> the face behind the mic that nobody sees. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Con- conjecture aside. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: I I, want to add on to something that you said there because it it made me think about this. When it came to stability, as far as living in households for me, my dad stayed in the same house the entire time through the divorce, all that before I, you know, before I became a teen and I decided to live out on the flip side, my mom was moving almost every five years or it seemed like it seemed like constantly. So growing up, I always felt like you have to be that person who picks up and leaves like every 5 to 7 years because that's just what we did we moved from apartment to house to here to there to this you know all over the place and i don't think it was until after i moved in with my mom and we were staying in the half double that we were staying in um i don't think it was maybe 6 months after that we moved in with now my stepfather and that was like you know 6 7 years until i met my wife and we moved into our own apartment and stuff and now it's like ten years have gone by, and me and my wife are living in the same place. We actually bought the place that we that we started living in.
1: Yeah, you bought the house you were renting, right? Is that, was yeah, that, we bought. Yeah, yeah.
0: it was the duplex. We you know we lived up in the upstairs apartment. We rented that for years. Then we bought the whole house. Then we moved downstairs. And now I have another family member who's living upstairs. Oh, there you go. So it's <laughs> keeping it. In so your so family, it's like, yo. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's it, it's funny you brought that up because stability, especially in divorce, I feel as like a kid. Is so hard to come by because there's those constant battles of custody and, you know, the weird custody schedules that, you know, Maya was, I think, completely unorthodox and never really heard of. I've
1: never heard of that before. And I've, I've, I've obviously I've, I've, we were in the army. We've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of people who are divorcing in our divorce. Yeah, yeah. And I like that is just such an insane schedule. And it's not good. It's not good for you. It really isn't.
0: No, and and I'm not gonna lie, it fucked me up for quite a long I'm time. Sure. I mean, I had yeah, a, I had a lot sure. of it. Yeah, a lot of this is starting yeah, to make sense as to why together. I am the way I am. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming to fruition, yeah, baby. Probably. But but really, I think when it comes down to it, it's if I didn't have self self realization and self awareness, I I'd be on a completely different path than I am now. Um, and I really think the most weird thing that gave me the most stability was the army. (laughs) And you're going to laugh at that, but I I feel like the army gave me that stability and at least that sense of direction and semi-purpose to start looking at things in a different light. Because I feel like if that never happened, I don't think we'd be sitting here today talking about this. I I actually,
1: I actually agree with you because I was kind of just wandering through life. Like I still don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't have like a passion like that. The army taught me, to have that ability to like have a, have a passion for something. I just mm-hmm. was very passionate. It wasn't the fucking army. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like I love being in the military. I really did. It was awesome. It was great. great. One of the greatest experiences of my life. But I'm not super into going back for a bunch of reasons that are listed on my VA file right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's just like anything though, man. You know, when you look at it, it's like you, you have your good and you have your bad with it. It's just what you make out of it that's really either make it or break it you know a lot of guys like we've known in the military for how many years were like fuck this they, they signed their contract that day and like fuck this I want to get out already when's my contract up and then we got other guys that have been in for like 30 years and they're they're the most gung-ho oh, they about love it. it and and they absolutely love it like I was one of those young fresh 17 year old privates I'm like I'm gonna stay in the fucking army till I die and then you know 13 layers I'm like this fucking stupid. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> i hate you 17 year old me would be kicking my ass right now yeah that's scrawny shit no you'd that be I was.
1: smoking 17 year old you know? <laughs> <laughs> be like, you're a fucking idiot kid you better start learning
0: <laughs> quit being a deadbeat piece of shit and fucking yeah, move
1: exactly find out if the light's gonna be on in the club
0: <laughs> but yeah um and, and kind of going on that like i talked about this if you guys didn't listen in the tales of the people podcast i did way way back when we first started this like i'm Two months ago, um, I talked about how I was, you know, just unmotivated and completely just didn't care, and such a procrastinator. Like I knew I was above intelligent, and I knew I had a lot to me, but it just always felt like, especially going through the divorce and moving in, and then having the step, you know, step family and all that kind of stuff. It was really, well, why even bother trying to do something if it's just gonna come back and bite me in the ass in the end? Because I've seen it growing up my entire life that I was just like, oh. Yeah, I could do this or I'm just going to half-ass a project and I'm going to get a B or a C on it anyway and I'll be good in school. And again, I look at this and I think I preach this constantly is everything that happened in my life in the past just started setting up the building blocks to where I'm at today as far as the lifestyle is concerned because a lot of people will look at and especially people like me who may have similar experiences of divorce who have gone through something either similar or worse will take those experiences and they're just going to be like, well, this is the way life is. This is what, you know, this is what the universe built me. Fuck it. I'm going to sit back now and I'm just going to let, you know, I'm just going to let everything kind of roll back and just hit me in the face because that's what I'm used to. There's no point in changing. And I feel, no, I know that this is the reason why I wanted to do this. I don't care if you're, and we're going to get into this, but I don't care if you're 22 or 42, you can take your experiences You take whatever experiences you have and it's never too late to change where you want to be. My divorce was a, my going through my parents' divorce was a big, big facet in my life. That was the majority of my childhood and my early teen years. My parents didn't actually have a regular conversation until the night of my rehearsal dinner before I got married.
1: Holy fuck. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah.
0: Even my, even my high school graduation, they didn't want to be next to each other.
1: I'll say one thing real quick. First off. You somehow, in the span of the past three minutes, self-transitioned into my next uh, talking point, worked your way completely through it, and transitioned into the ending talking point. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> Maybe it's because you're a natural chauvinist. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, you forgot about that. You know that planning we just did.
0: <laughs> Two Man, I get on that roll. You know how I Secondly,
1: do. Secondly, boy, that is extraordinarily inspiring. It really is. Because at the end of the day, you're self-made. You pulled yourself up out of it with not a lot of help from any other people. And it just shows like anybody can do it. I mean, I'm not saying you're not special, Dave, because you absolutely are. You're definitely my special little boy. I love you. (laughs) Oh, thanks, babe. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I, I guess that's the point we're trying to make here is, yeah, you were dealt a really gnarly card in life. You really were. But at the end of the day. You have a beautiful home, you have a beautiful family and you know you're working your ass off on something you're extremely passionate about. and that's in my mind really all you need in life personally. that's that's that's, that's great. It's a fucking amazing.
0: Thank you. I, you know I, I really appreciate it. and you know we've known each other for years, but just hearing you say that really means a lot even though I've been working on who I am for the past two years, almost two years now, just hearing that and somebody else saying like, hey, what you're doing is the right path to becoming better. It just reaffirms a lot of what you're doing. And again, I talked about this in the beginning and I talk about it constantly and I'm going to preach it until the day I die because this is my life. This is what I do. And you're absolutely right. As long as you're building what you love, have a happy family, have a happy home. You're raising your kids right and you're doing something you're extremely passionate about with a good outlook. That's all you need in this world. We've, we've gone now, we've started doing interviews this, this whole past month and that's almost been the recurring theme for every single interview is do something you're passionate about, put all of that love into your child and into what you do and they're going to resonate fully with that. When you're dealt a shit hand it's your job to bluff your way through to win that jackpot i'm gonna throw a poker reference in there because i'm you know i love poker and stuff but not Wait, as much as i, I did know
1: that yeah you'll see you're yeah. learning more new well today. i guess that's the whole point yeah. of this pseudo interview <laughs> yeah we'll call it a yeah, pseudo interview right? the day pseudo interview the dave olander story
0: pseudo 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 yeah
1: I'll, I'll I'll wordsmith that one we'll find something good to put on a t-shirt in a row yeah. in a, in
0: whatever but yeah yeah i've been I've been getting back into poker I, I fell out of it for a few years but. no
1: I I, I I like poker too I, if you want to play some time <laughs> I used to uh not all the time but like maybe twice a quarter go down to Atlantic City play some poker yes yeah, oh, nice. yeah. Nice. so if you ever yeah. want to go yeah.
0: there yeah, we go I'm down I'm down. But back to my back to my point before our poker tangent, you know, you could be dealt a king seven, which is probably one of the worst hands in poker, but it's your job to bluff that hand and to win that jackpot when that when that other guy's holding pocket aces. When you're down and out and you're in the trenches and you're short stacking it, which is not a lot of chips for you po- non-poker players, and you got the worst hand and he's got the best hand and he thinks that you're sunk, it's your job to bluff it and build it and push it and when you turn those cards over and you somehow have a full house beating a pair of aces you know you've made it you know you've done it and you don't get there by going all in on the first hand you get there by studying where you've been who your opponents are the way the cards are playing and how you're going to attack those cards so when it comes time to it and you see the flaws and you see the easy openings to attack and really win when you're that ultimate underdog, nobody will see it coming and you're going to beat pocket aces every single time.
1: An important caveat to that is going to be, you know, you're going to lose some hands. You're not going to do mm-hmm. any of this overnight. And because now that we've learned that Dave is a giant fucking poker nerd, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> and we could throw some D D references in there too. Do you want to do that? Yo, <laughs> when your wizard <laughs> roll a twenty for initiative, <laughs> <laughs> when your wizard can't make that con save, so you got to throw a holy light on him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy that always holy. God damn it! I one, fucked up so. reference too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, none of these things are going to happen overnight, um, especially if you spent most of your life dealing with them. But the point is, little tiny pieces of progress are still progress. They are. As long as you They're the biggest problems. Yeah. Because sometimes they're the biggest sometimes the smallest things are the densest problems and they take the most to get through. Like, yeah, it's easy when you can figure a bunch of shit out all at once, but that's that's when it's easy. That's when you're going through it easy. But if you have like one little thing stepping in your stepping in your way and it's impossible to move or impossible to fix or impossible to figure out, how much better are you gonna feel about yourself when you've worked that fucking problem out? You're gonna feel great. It's gonna give you confidence, it's gonna be amazing fantastic feeling.
0: So I have a caveat to that. I'm sure. I just heard. Yeah, (laughs) I do. So I just heard this quote the other day and it came from Albert Einstein. If I'm given an hour to solve a problem, I want to spend the first 55 minutes asking all the questions and five minutes to solve the problem. That is powerful. Absolutely. That is absolutely powerful. We're too strung up as fathers, men. It's part of that stigma where we see a problem we want to fix it and we go in and attack it and the next thing you know it's kicking our ass and we're falling back and then we feel like shit instead sit back answer all the questions that you need about this problem figure it all out plan it all out and then execute execute don't just go in and execute and hope that everything's going to work out because then you're going to have a bigger problem behind it and it's just going to make it that much worse
1: that's the basic building blocks of problem solving is information collection. Obviously, I'd like to relate it to a math problem, but at the end of the day, it is. (laughs) The point of that quote, and I've actually heard that quote before as well. It was written a little bit differently, but it was the same basic concept is he he doesn't want to spend all his time sitting there trying to get all the variables in his own head. He's collected all of the data already. He's got it all organized. He's ready to figure out the algorithm that is life. And instead of spending all day on it, Well, he's done his data collection period. He's already got the problem he needs to solve. And he just punches those numbers in and he's done. Problem fucking solved. Is it always going to be that easy? Absolutely not. (laughs) But if you can apply those concepts, it doesn't really seem like so much of a monumental task at any level. You got your problem. You've got all your pertinent data. You solve the problem. Then you're good. Such is life. And, it, you know, sorry, I went on a tangent there, Dave.
0: No, that's good. That's good. That's really, good. But, but to kind of to kind of rope all of this in, and I know Ryan, did, let, let's give a round of applause for Ryan for asking the questions today. You know, he did. Yeah. He did I'm going to cut all this pseudo out. View. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt I just, it. it. It's just going to be you talking
1: <laughs> for 30 minutes and me going it like, like completely, like the audio is even going to sound different. I'm going to like apply a different filter or something to it. So it just sounds like me going, mm-hmm. very good. Excellent. Well, tell me more. And like, that's it. <laughs> it is going to be intro, you talking for a half an hour, and then just o- laid over you. Oh, yes.
0: Very nice, David. I let that David go the first time. Now, again, we're going to have a oh, really? <laughs> good <laughs> tr- we're going Good to luck driving here.
1: You don't even know my address. <laughs>
0: but to kind of wrap all of this in and all the points we're making, they have a centralized theme. No matter where you come from, as a child of divorce, It's your responsibility to take what you learned and become better for your kids. I came from a house of divorce. My mother, or yeah, my mother, my wife didn't. So we came from two completely different worlds, two completely different parenting styles. But I saw the way I was growing up and the way that it affected me having my parents fight all the time and all of this, it made me appreciate having my son that much more. Because now I knew what I went through. I never, never want that for my kid. God forbid if something were to happen to me and my wife and we decided to end it. And I, don't, I hope that never happens. But it would never be like that. Because I will never put that shame or that guilt or that feeling of insecurity and instability in something that I created and loved dearly. So I took one of the biggest negatives I could in my life spewed it out for you guys. I just scratched the surface. Like I said, this is just surface level stuff for me, but I told you this is something that was really rooted in who I am. I took that negative and I'm flipping it into a massive positive, a bigger positive, small steps at a time. This isn't built in a day. You are not built in a day. You're not going to win in a day, but by making those small shifts and really resonating with what you're doing and self-awareness and self-realization are key here. Taking that time to really sit down and think about yourself, your life, and what you want and putting it into play is going to be your biggest and boldest move. I want to thank you guys for sitting down, part two of our divorce series, listening to a bit of more of my life, where I came from, my experiences, and how I'm growing every single day to be a fearless father. This was as much therapy as it was for me as I'm hoping something resonated with you. I Like I said in the beginning, I want to be transparent with you guys. I want you guys to know where I came from, how I grew up, where I was born, bred, the battles that I've gone through because nothing comes easy. It's a fight every single day to become fearless, to become better. And you guys are taking that first step by listening to us. By listening to us go, hearing our stories, and getting uncomfortable and making those slight changes every single day to become better. If you truly love what we do and you want to support us any single which way you can, check out our Patreon for as little as a buck a month. It's going to go a phenomenal way in helping us continue to keep quality content, do some great things. We have a lot of ideas that we want to work on, but we're dads too. We get it. It's tough. Money gets tight. But anything that you could do to help support us and build this community, build this movement, and build what it is to be a fearless father is going to go a long way. If you don't want to contribute each month, that's fine. If Check out our store. We're, trying to, we're going to be working on some new things in the store, sprucing it up a little bit, adding some new merch here and there. So keep a lookout for that. Support us any which way you can. Sign up for our newsletter. Become a part of our fearless family. And you're going to get a special one-time code at our store. And you could find that all in our link tree that will be posted in the description of this page. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, as always, at Fearless Fathers Podcast. Check us out. Follow us. Like us. Tell your friends about this. Tell your fathers out there who may need this, who can use these words, who could become better and start making those shifts to ultimately become the best fearless father that they know they can be. Our children learn and grow every single day. Just because we're adults doesn't mean we can't do the same. We're doing this one step at a time, one day at a time, just like our kids. And together, we're going to embrace the fear. Always.